Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Welcome into another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer, Frank Harvey, and today this podcast does not stop because we got ourselves a pretty special guest from Trainwreck Sports, the train that never stops. Maniac himself, Maniac. What's going on, dude? Gentlemen, thanks for having me. As you've said, it never stops, so we're just momentary pause here more than stopping. So we're taking a break. We're looking around the horn here and seeing what we got going on in the great 716. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, there's a lot still always. I mean, yes, the Sabres had a bit of a a setback last night, and the Bills are as infuriating as ever. Uh, But UB is steady, even though they're not getting their perfect season that many of us hoped for. But at the same time, like you said, a lot is going on. And I think that uh, what better way to do it than just go around the horn on everything here? Exactly. As the seasons are changing, the leaves are starting to fall here. We're seeing climate change across the board by the day here, right? The temperature is changing every day. Oh, yeah. We're changing our Our perspective on these teams and these players, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's these new Sabres, and especially if it's UB, is changing by the day. All right. Let's go. Let's start right where Trainwreck has hit it the strongest. As of right now with UB, man. Oh, we're flexing. We're flexing, flexing for the Bulls. Flexing them muscles. Fre- flexing them muscles. You've got the, the Bulls have got Akron this week. And really, Army was the only real game that I was kind of scared about. And unfortunately, it wound up to the ways of my fears and not my not my hopes. But UB bouncing back, conference play, getting a little more of that action this week against Akron, and a chance to go to 6-1. and one. Still damn good record still a very high favorite to win the mac in itself so what are we looking at here what's up with anthony johnson you know anthony johnson so it's been a nagging injury i think they've been playing it week to week and it's honestly been a game time decision in some scenarios i mean i didn't see him even on the field against army but apparently he was dressed for that and available for the red zone wasn't available obviously uh last week but, again, uh, I think they're taking it week to week. They're confident in their offense, and especially what they're getting out of those young running backs. Um, when you're getting those, you know, five, over five yards per carry, you know, on the game, you're not afraid to sit a guy like Anthony Johnson, especially when you got, you know, your other receivers helping out Tyree like K.J. Osborne. Yeah, I mean, you've, yeah, the receivers have really kind of stepped up. Osborne in particular has stepped up in a big way for this team this year. And I really got to say, though, the offense is just making UB football so fun. And – Jackson's getting national accolades. He's getting scouts visiting UB. And there's still legitimate draft hype surrounding three players there in Anthony Johnson, Tyree Jackson, and Khalil Hodge. It's hard to understand when it's happening, but, I mean, we might be seeing a change in the way that UB football is perceived not just at a local level but at a national level. Like you said, three guys who are in strong contention to be a pick somewhere in the first five rounds. I mean, I know Tyree, you know, when he was peaking, what, 3-0, 4-0, they were, you know, he was hedging on basically the second and maybe even first round in some areas. It's going to be very interesting to see as they go down the stretch here and as the offense, I think, and I expect to, will come together and even more so in conference play. Um, it should be really interesting to see where these guys end up going. I mean, you look at it, Jackson. Like we had Mark Schofield on last week, Frank. We did, and Mark Schofield looks at anything and everything all quarterbacks, and he's still saying, you know, even after the hiccup against Army, he's still saying Tyree Jackson is a dark horse for the first round if he comes out this year. So there's still legitimate first round hype surrounding the UB quarterback, and can't blame him. I mean, 1,300 yards, 17 touchdowns, four picks, and really has been a dynamo this year really taking that next step that we wanted to see from last year well Frank and Derek if you guys don't mind me, I'm not gonna hop to another uh, team here but I'm gonna hurdle the gun here jump the gun mm-hmm. Josh Allen proved you don't need great stats you don't need a great college resume to go high in the NFL draft it's yeah. about your peripherals if you can be six seven if you could fire it over a mountain if you could run something you know of a sub 
five second 40 they're going to give you a look and they're going to give you an opportunity and that is more of Tyree six seven 245 yeah, his stats are oh. better than Josh Allen yeah so like yeah. so where yeah. where do you put him where do you put him in the legitimate question is can he do it especially with how some of these first round favorites have fallen I'm not a fan of Jared Stidham. Mm-hmm. I don't like Drew Locke. I think Finley's had a bit of a down year. And you're looking at maybe Herbert in Oregon and Will Greer in West Virginia are probably the most consistent other guys. Herbert and Greer, in my opinion, the only ones holding water. Yeah, like you said, so far this year, everyone else has significantly declined. And then you've got Tyree as a dark horse. And, again, a guy that we respect the hell out of the opinion of in Mark Schofield that he's still like, this guy's got first round. I respect the hell out of Schofield, but he kind of lost a little bit with that last comment he made before we signed off with them last week, too. What did he say? What did he say? Oh, he said, said, I would love to have Tyree Jackson as a New England Patriot because the guy is Boston-based. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah, are you kidding me? You get a 6'7 guy with a rocket arm learning from Tom Brady for a year or two. Of course, anyone would love that scenario. So we we thought that was was like, why you got to do me like that, Mark? Yeah, it was great, though. No, it was great. Why you got to do me like that? But, no, uh, and it's not just the passing game, though. I mean, you've got, like you said, young running backs that are really doing well for themselves as well. You've got 12 rushing touchdowns on the Mm -hmm. year from the entire team. Only one from Jackson himself. Yeah, he busted that out last week. And you saw them not running, obviously, is opening up those scenarios more. When he busted left near the goal line there, there really wasn't anyone between him and the goal line. Yeah. So, again, you're seeing a lot less of Tyree running, but it's all all of his – the majority of his damage is from the pocket and from passing and over the air. It just he really did take that next step as quarterback that I honestly, if I want to be selfish, I don't want him jumping. Most definitely. <laughs> you don't want him running into the traffic. You don't want him, you know, taking. Oh, I meant hits. to the draft. Oh, okay. Oh no, yeah. of course. Any you know, UB get, fan. Get more get one more year out of oh, this guy. Of course. And I mean you see his year to year development. I mean again, I haven't watched all the film from last year, but just looking at him this year, it seems like the pre snap reads and obviously Lance and the staff might have something to do with that. But just the reads he's making at the line and everything is contributing to that no sacks until last week stat. You know what I mean? He's making quick decisions, and you know for the most part, it's been the right ones. And of course, you got to look also at Khalil Hodge. He's probably the most overlooked of the three when it comes to legitimate day one or day two territory. And you know, not his fault. He plays defense, and that's going to tend to get overlooked sometimes. But Hodge is that rangy linebacker that's strong, strong to the football. The guy can really just dominate a defensive performance at any given Saturday. And what have you guys seen from Hodge this year that you know can really stick out? I mean, basically, we've just seen always the first guy in the hole. The same thing you've seen from him for the last you know two, three years at least. Here, um, he's continually gotten better. To be honest, it's like you said, he doesn't touch the ball every play, so you don't notice it every play. But with that said, out of the three you know, UB Bulls that we're talking about potentially being in the 2019 NFL draft, I think there's a solid argument to be made that Hodge has been by far the most consistent out of the three throughout his UB career. Yeah. All right, so let's talk schedule. There's six left, including against Akron on Saturday. You've got Akron, Toledo, Miami, Ohio, Kent State, Ohio, and Bowling Green. Your last home game is November 6th. That's the last time people are going to be able to see him. That's that's me saying go to the game while you can. Uh, by, oh, yeah. by God, there's three one. home games left. Mm-hmm. So get it in there while you can, including that Tuesday night match and the last one on November 6th against Kent State. That would be the last home game for UB is that Tuesday night. You, It's Tuesday night, bro. You've got nothing going on. And yeah, the Sabres are out west, so you can watch both games. Don't act like you have good Tuesday night plans. The the hookah lounges is not till Wednesday, okay? Just get it done. Get over there on Tuesday. Get to UB Stadium and see. Honestly, if you haven't yet, I'm not trying to like you know be kind of say you're missing out. You're you got to see what these bulls are about. You got to see this offense humming, and you got to see how this defense plays at the line of scrimmage. Three legitimate pro prospects for this mm-hmm. year, and maybe even more coming down the pipe in the next couple of years. So. UB really is a shining beacon in what has been a frustrating start for the other teams, the pro teams here. And again, if you haven't checked it out, you're definitely not spending bucks on bucks for one thing. I mean, I think you can get a ticket for $15 for this weekend. I mean, that's definitely not breaking any banks. You're not breaking any banks doing this. You're going watching quality football at this point. I mean, it's not like the UB Bulls from circa 2010 era, you know, after Turner Gill. And things kind of just 
crashed, bombed, and they were just not good or not entertaining to watch. It'd be nice to see the fan base kind of really pick up the hype on this on this team. It's going to take a perspective switch. It's not going to all happen overnight. And I think the school knows that. But, yeah, just think about it. This is one of the most passionate fan You don't have to say I'm, I'm a broken record. Buffalo sports fans, passionate. I don't have to go on anymore about that. If the Sabres were, you know, contending for one of those last 7-8 spots in the Eastern Conference wildcard, if the Bills were contending for playoff action, we have a first-place Division One college football team playing in Buffalo right now. Get out and see these guys. Yeah, for sure. Get out and see these guys. And it doesn't stop there, just like train wreck. Never. Uh, basketball season is oh, man. fast Bowl madness. Bowl madness is going to be here. You've got the women's team that made that run to the Sweet 16. You've got the men's team that dunked on Arizona. Oh, man. And kept up with Kentucky last year. So UB probably highlighted last year's Big Four blowing up. The, the basketball scene last year was incredible here in Buffalo because of the fact that all four of those teams were in contention for winning their respective conferences. UB headlining the most of that. The women's team was just flat-out dominant throughout the regular season and then even got a couple more wins in March Madness. So, hey, just because the UB football season is going to be coming to an end soon does not mean that the UB Madness stops because that basketball season is coming and it's coming fast. Not to be a hype starter, we were in this studio a couple months ago talking about how UB football could potentially be looking at a 9-10 to win season, and people were kind of raising their eyebrows then. The whispers that we're hearing, this season's UB men's basketball team, better than last season. They're returning three of the four guys who scored over 15 points per game. They got a lot of young prospects that they like, and to be honest, I think it's a lot to be excited about on the men's side and the women's side. I was at Bull Madness last night. And let me say, I believe in Oates as a coach, okay? Oh, I mean, yeah. I, you, know, you see awesome. the guy work a system, and you know that he is doing his job. I got an inspirational speech from Coach FLJ, Coach Jack, last night. Really? I was ready to run through multiple brick walls. She is. Oh, my God. You talk a about pistol, a man. fire starter. She I was ready pistol. to go. She is a pistol, man. I love Felicia Legat Jack. She is amazing oh with God, everything. Like, in, intense as they could be. But at the same time, she just – she cares so much about those players, too. and it's just, oh, yeah. But, you know, for example, the men's team, they only lost out from their starting lineup, Wes Clark. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it. On a team that, again, beat the snot out of a team that had the number one overall pick in the NBA draft and kept up with Kentucky, who I always hate. I think that, you know, the, the men's side, of that that's just the beginning with Big Four. It starts with UB, that conversation. And then the women's side, as you said, you know, Felicia Get Jack knows how to get her players ready to go. Oh my gosh. The intensity from that woman's squad last night, they were beating the men's team in like three point competitions. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to start any inner school rivalry there, but boys might have to work on their outside shooting before the season starts. With that said, this thing that makes both these teams so solid is their depth. They don't depend on one superstar. They don't like they can spread the ball. That's why they were able to dominate Arizona. They took Aiton out of the game. They literally took eight and out of the game, and then they were just playing against four guys who all year hadn't really played together because the whole offense went through DeAndre Ayton. And they were chucking bombs from, oh, the, awesome. from the arc. It was oh a, That God. night was amazing. Yeah. I remember that was just – Probably the greatest night of Degenerate Al's life. You know, even, <laughs> he'll, even he'll testify to that. Derek and I were at Transit we Lakes. Yeah, we were at a bowling uh, alley. Yeah, we bowl- one of our friends uh, used to work nights there and gave, gave us free bowling on Thursday nights. Can't after beat the free. leagues, yeah. So we were there. We were watching. We were watching that because it was after the league, so yep. we could watch that and bowl. And we were with a bunch of our other friends too. It was, it was that just, was a great night. I did no. Bowling. I also proceeded. Oh, no. <laughs> I proceeded right after UB won to go right to the jukebox and yep. played Party Hard by Andrew WK. Yes, that was that. Was, right I remember after. that. Yes. I mean, which pun do great. you guys want me to make? Like, you know, UB made a turkey out of Arizona. Uh, they really, you know. Spared them the expense of going to the second round. They <laughs> bowled a strike right through them. Yeah, they absolutely dominated Arizona. It was probably, honestly, the greatest sports moment for Buffalo so far in 2018. I think that's safe to say, right? I mean, getting Darlene oh, yeah. in the draft, obviously, and winning that draft was very exciting, and it took a lot of pressure off of uh, you know the Sabres' the, quote-unquote misery. The but, only thing that I have to argue, and this is only just because of the fact that I'm being technical, 
is the Bills, Bills did the drought, break yeah. the drought in 2018. You could, yeah, you could yeah. argue, yeah. So the plane arriving back in Buffalo. Oh, wait, no, yeah, no, never mind. It happened on New Year's Eve. Well, so, I so, take that but back. But that's what we're saying. The plane <laughs> arriving back in Buffalo that post-midnight, that was, that was them. Yeah, so that was amazing. That, that was, was awesome. All right, speaking of the Bills then, let's, let's go. go there. Let's go there. The Bills are very confusing. For better or worse? A very confusing two and three. Oh, man. <laughs> I told you, Frank, I didn't love my <laughs> Titans pick last week because I knew the Titans were bad. <laughs> and, and this is the same thing this week. I don't like the Texans are a team that are finding ways to lose games. Mm-hmm. I mean, their two wins were given to them. Oh, yeah. One by an ultra aggressive call that I loved by Frank Reich, and then one by an ultra conservative call by Jason Garrett, punting. When he was in opposing territory with a fourth and one staring him in the face. Yeah, they in had, overtime. They had that scenario versus the Cowboys, and I'm fairly certain against the Colts. Uh, they were up 17 in the second half mm-hmm. or something. Yes, yeah, so they've mm-hmm. been giving it away. No doubt. You know where they're strong. Watt and Clowney are probably the best defensive line unit up there with the Rams, Sue, and uh, Donald. With that said, I mean, I, that's no doubt going to give the Bills some problems. I mean, if you're Dable, the OC, maybe, you know, some quick hitches to the outside, some sweeps, just get. Watt and Clowney not running upfield, obviously, because that would be the biggest danger for the Bills going into this game. But with that said, on the other side of the ball, equally, there's some advantages that the Bills can take. Uh, yeah, honestly, if I'm the offense, I'm looking at moving pockets because you can get Josh Allen moving, and you know he does well if he takes off, and you can try to help almost negate one of the edge rushers. Probably try to do it toward Clowney's side. Yes, that means that Allen has to roll toward the left probably, but – Watt is not nearly as fast as Clowney. Nope. Him getting over to that moving pocket, it's going to take a little bit longer. And also, Allen, when he finally sets his feet, we'll see that coming. So maybe a moving pocket would be something that you'd like to try offensively as well for the Bills against the Texans here. But defensively, this team could be exploited in Houston. Most definitely. I mean, the Cowboys were basically taking free shots on Deshaun Watson the whole game. I mean, the poor guy looked like he was a boxer going back to the asylum. They were saying that multiple times. I'm not even the one who made it up. He looked like he was literally struggling to get back to his quote-unquote corner sideline. Um, They're still, you know, they took the line down earlier this week. So there are some alarm signs going around the Texans right now. All is not well. It is like an eight-point, you know, seven-and-a-half-point spread right now. But to be honest, um, I mean, I think you should be a little bit more confident in the Bills than that, despite – the fact that they've already lost three games this season by 10 points or more. Yeah, and again, that's just what this season has been. is so up and down for them. I just see a team that can be beaten just like I saw that last week. And while I didn't in the end pick them to win that game, I would not have been surprised if they did. Mm-hmm. And defensively, you really have a chance here because the Bills have given up the most sacks in the league this season. Number two, with one sack less, the Houston Texans. It's going to be about probably, honestly, field position. You hate to go back to, like, 1997, but is this going to be a game decided by the punters? You know, if they're unleashing 60-yard bombs or shanking, it could be the difference if neither of these teams can move the ball. Yay. Punters. (laughs) Or if one decides to... Or maybe it'll be a shootout, 45-38. I mean, you just can't see that. You can't see that. that. I can't see it. I'm hoping for it, but I can't see it. Yeah. Well, oh we don't even God. know if Watson's playing. He's he's he was limited throughout the week so far, so okay. I think he'll play. Probably um, he's been practicing, and that usually tends to be a, a sign that he will play. I mean, hell, we had Aaron Rodgers practice once during the week, That's and true. that was good enough for them. So Deshaun Watson is playing in this game. How well he's going to be, and how effective he will be remains to be seen. Yeah, Trey White against DeAndre Hopkins will be a very fun matchup because if. DeAndre only gets, say, six catches, 45 yards. National media is going to start talking about Tredavious White more. And pretty much it's overdue. I mean, you have so many other storylines of the Bills, and to be honest, they quote-unquote seem like they're in disarray sometimes. So it kind of takes away from the superstar performances you're getting from, say, a Matt Milano or, in this case, yeah, Tredavious White. I mean, there's an opportunity facing DeAndre Hopkins especially after what he did on national TV last year, or sorry, last week. Those spin moves in, in OT against the Cowboys, yeah. those were straight out of Madden. Um, but honestly, it is a opportunity, yeah, on a national level to get his name out there. And, I mean, honestly, it's about time. Yeah, it is about time because the guy was pretty much a snub for Defensive Rookie of the Year over Marshawn Lattimore, who in his own right is a really damn good rookie last year. But – Again, it just looks like one of those things where Trey White will finally get the respect that 
has been deserved on his name if he goes ahead and shuts down DeAndre Hopkins. You're looking at a defense that's kind of getting healthier. I mean, you know, they shuffled Dean Marlowe back to the practice squad, meaning that, well, Micah Hyde or Raphael Bush should be back for this game. Mm. So your safeties are coming back. Yep. Really, the only one who hasn't practiced at any point in the week is Charles Clay. And, yeah, that's more concerning when you have an offense that's not good. Mm -hmm. But you're not looking at the worst case in the world. You already know the offense isn't good. What's what's Charles Clay not doing there going to help or hurt you? And that's unfortunate because of how large his contract is. But I don't want to flip the tables on you for for you boys. We know the offense is in between it's not good it's not the worst it's ever been although it's probably pretty closer it's to pretty the, a lot, a lot closer yeah. to the worst it's ever been than good with that said are you buy, are you guys buying the jackal or hide from this defense we're looking at the first six quarters of the season they got absolute lambasted right mm-hmm. about 70 yeah. points in the first six quarters now over the last three and a half games they've been averaging about 14 points per game or less I'm buying into that. Defense. You are. You think they're am, gelling. You think it took it. the first couple weeks. What do you? Where? What are you guys seeing specifically? I see it plane calling wise. Uh, you saw Leslie Frazier in those first two games, namely, no, and most notably against Joe Flacco in the Ravens. They were playing a lot of off cover three. Yeah, they were just dropping. Right? They were just yeah. dropping, knowing that Flacco could beat you and toast you with that big arm. Yeah. And the Bills kind and Frazier kind of just stayed set in those ways, and Flacco was like, "Oh, you're leaving all of my tight ends wide open. I'm Pretty just going to throw to all of them." Check. Check down. And, Check down. And then there was a pretty impressive throw to uh, Crabtree for one of his touchdowns. Yeah, just, that was a really good one. Yeah. But after that, McDermott took over the play calling halfway through the L.A. game. Yeah. And it almost seemed like not only did the team start gelling again, I think Frazier kind of got it that, you know, dude, you got to stop calling this off coverage because all that's going to happen is we're just going to let up first down after first down in a way that, you know, yes, we're taking away the big play, but they're kind of killing us. They've gotten more of a mix in there, which is healthy with their plays, with their defense. And uh, the breakdown on this defense really is it's not a complex defense where we saw with my mortal enemy, Rex Ryan. I was going to say, not not very quote-unquote exotic, as no. they say, right? You're not seeing the you know crazy formations. Oh, the, the D yeah. linemen are standing. The yeah. D linemen's <laughs> dropping back. No, there's not much of that going on there. Oh, my God. I, can't, I <laughs> forgot that we had D linemen dropping Rex back. Ryan Mario Williams still... dropping into coverage. Oh. Rex, Ryan's, <laughs> Rex Ryan still can rot in my personal hell. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> It just like you you say it to yourself, and it just like it doesn't make any sense. Mario Williams dropping into coverage, exactly, and, and then that was that was what you... he was leaving in Houston and came here to not do. Yeah. And then at the end of his career, he started having to do it, and he's like, "Bro, I'm done." Yeah. So I don't blame him there. I think though that you know when you have a simpler defense, your players can react and play faster because there's less thinking going on, more reacting, and that is what's going on with this defense. That is what's happening now through these last three and a half games is that you're getting a defense that's reacting playing fast and allowing their talent to kind of come to the forefront well most definitely then if if you guys are confident in this defense and I am as well three and a half games from what I've seen they look very solid it's all about whether the offense can basically avoid going three and out get them their occasional rest if they can pull that off and yeah the offense can avoid the big turnover like in plus territory for the Texans I smell an upset this weekend. I smell an upset this weekend. I could also, if I don't want, I mean, I can look forward. I'm, I'm allowed to. I don't play for the team. Um, Indy's a winnable game, too. Um, we At the very least, I mean, not, not to be condescending, there'll be underdogs in both games, but I think the Bills should at least take one of them. They should take mm-hmm. one of them. And I was telling Frank in the last, uh, on the last episode, it could be the meanest thing that the Bills do. Starting 0-2 in such a disastrous way, getting to 4-3 and before they get kicked down the stairs by New England after giving us all this hope and we have a winning record again. That's the most billsy thing that I could think of. Totally. <laughs> it's Sign ter- me up. It's, ter- <laughs> it's terrible to say. But <laughs> well, the worst part is we'll all take the, we'll take the hook on this hope and, oh, hey, we're winning again. Yay. Oh, I would absolutely sign me up for the maximum dosage of false hope. I love nothing more than false hope, whether it's like, you know, that turnover when the Bills are down 10 in the second half or mm-hmm. it's the goal from the Savers to cut it to a two-goal lead. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Put false it straight hope. into my veins. Yep, inject yeah. it into my veins. Let's go. But, but how are you supposed to expect anything else? I don't mean to be so negative. I don't mean to be so pessimistic. Yeah. How can you expect anything else right now except that the 
friggin' Patriots are just going to come in and march all over us. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready for that getting kicked back down the stairs thing. I really am. But uh, the part that I'm not necessarily ready for but kind of expecting is that the Bills give you the maximum amount of that false hope before it happens because that's how it goes. And that is when New England reminds you, hey, bruh, we're still here. Um, Sorry, not sorry. Hey, as long as we're not focused on setting any Guinness Book of World Records sound records, I think yeah. we can handle New England at <laughs> oh uh, New Era Stadium. I, I would like to hope that they at Bel- least give them a game. Belichick just going to lo- look at the Bills that Monday night, I think. That's cute. Well, the good thing about Belichick is that he looks at your offense and he says, I'm going to take away the best thing about your offense, so then you're forced to struggle with everything else. The good thing is the Bills don't have any good things about their offense. There's nothing you can focus on taking away. Joke's on you. We're already taking McCoy out of the offense. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it just – the Bills are confusing, and they go from national pundits going, oh, this team should go 0-16 – to how the hell are they winning games? To okay, wait, they're they just stomped the Vikings. They beat the Titans, who have looked promising in their own right. What's going on here? And it just looks to me like, well, the Bills are not the worst team in the league. They're going to take some games from you. And I am so happy that they're not the New York Giants. I know, it's like you think the Bills are bad and then you watch some of these other teams and you're like, wow. Like they they have a Josh Allen in reverse. Like he's at the end of his career. I mean, yes, he's a Super Bowl MVP two times over. No one's going to doubt that. But the situation their franchise is in right now with him, right, he's kind of keeping them in neutral. Like they got Saquon, but obviously they need a new QB. I mean, or they need a completely new offensive line overnight. Yeah, and I mean, probably both. Yeah, they have Saquon, and you just feel bad for this guy because he literally is their offense. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, <laughs> Beckham made a better throw than Eli would on that touchdown pass yeah. last week. That's right. Oh yeah, that was embarrassing. Well, good throw by Beckham. Great but, throw yeah. by Beckham. Embarrassing that what you said is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 terrible looking at that, and it's terrible having him in fantasy football this year. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're a gambling crew though at Trainwreck Sports, so I want I want to propose another question to you guys. Okay. 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 F and D, we gotta lock this in. The Bulls right now on their schedule have, let's see, six games left. So six games left on the schedule. So let's not count the MAC championship. Assuming, of course. Yes. Bulls versus Bills. The Bills have eleven games left, right? Because they're three and or two and three. Yep. So yep. So they got eleven games left. The Bulls have six. Will get? I'll give you a spread of UB minus one. So take away one win from UB. Who will have more wins at the end of the year? Bulls. From from UB. now till the end of the season. Bulls. UB. UB? Yeah. I don't know if the Bills can get to five. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because basically, <laughs> yeah, that's the number you're working at right there. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah I, so, I don't mean to be a jerk to the Bills here. It's just there's such a there's such an on-and-off team crazy-wise that, first off, there's still two automatic losses that you have to encounter. Six divisional games, yeah, two of which are the two Patriots. Two of the Patriots. I mean, I Lions mean, have looked decent. Lions have looked pretty decent. The Bears are terrifying. Bears, are, Bears should light us up. Khalil Mack alone, will, oh, man. speaking of a UB guy, Khalil uh, yeah. Mack alone should be terrifying in itself. Jacksonville, I'm not going to count anything because Blake Bortles can Bortle his way to a loss. Um, who knows? Cause yeah, away, they're, away they're a little bit different when they're not down there in Duval. Yeah, they're I, the I, most annoying fans ever, by the way. Yeah, it's because they finally discovered what a uh, football team actually is there. And it's not even that it has to be a good one. They just found out that football exists down there now. Uh, it, yeah, no, I the Bills, I can see five wins here for them. It's just that UB is already there. So they've got not just a great head start on the Bills here, even though the Bills will play more games. How many more of them are as winnable as what UB can do? Just Yeah, just look at the simple math. Odds are UB will be favored in every game except at Ohio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And UB, by the way, you might want to go down there tomorrow because uh, they'll be bowl eligible with a win. Yeah, bowl yeah. eligible with a win. At Chip off their weeks. shoulder. Yeah. Mid-October. Mid-October, and they're already in a bowl if they win this. So... And it's homecoming. You can't replicate that magic anywhere in the world. Oh, I know, right? This is, it almost sets up too good to be true. But uh, this UB team is also strong. So Most definitely. All right. So we've gone through some football. We've gone through some other football. 
We gone through some false hope. Got, gone through some false hope. And speaking of false hope, there's our transition there we go. to Good the transition. ice. I mean, first off, just like the first game of the season, I'm not overreacting to losing 6-1 to Colorado because it wasn't a 6-1 game. Definitely I thought the not. Sabres, I thought the Sabres played pretty dang well overall. It was just Semyon Varlamov decided to play like it was 2014 again. Yep. And your special teams kind of just shot you in the foot. It was one of those like four, it was like a four one loss to be honest. If you're really three looking at yeah, it, yeah, three one four one, yeah, for sure. Something like that. The six one's just alerting. Is that wheels fall off the last three to five minutes of the game? McKinnon gets his. The really, really, the only goal that I was legitimately mad about was the fourth one. You had just scored to bring it to three one. Second period's coming to an end. Who left Nathan McKinnon all alone? Oh God, he scored. Yeah, that was how that one. That was the one that was like, well. That hurts. You're probably not coming back in this game, but if the Sabres can get the next goal in the third period, it'd be huge. They were no. pressing. They allowed two breakaways because that's what happens when you're pressing. Six one's the final there, and I'm not too mad about that game because the effort was there. The scoring chances were there, and it just, you know, that's hockey sometimes. Hockey can I, frustrate you to no end. I saw legit look like two straight minutes of the Sabres in Colorado zone with the puck. Honestly, and what, they could, he? and they got, but they only got, were only able to get like two shots out of it. But the fact that they were holding their own offensively and having all of that pressure, really, really should say something about what they can do, what they can be as the season progresses. You're starting to see those building blocks. I mean, yeah, it's not all you know showing on the score sheet. There was about a power play at the end of the first period last mm-hmm. night. Oh, I mean, yeah. they were cycling the puck. And you yep. hate to say it because that's something that should basically happen by default on the power play. But last year, I mean, they couldn't even get the puck in the zone. Yeah, Like, now just... I'm seeing, like, pass to pass to, like, anticipated next pass. And, like, I'm already making a move with it. Like, they are in a flow. And they, yeah, it seems like they have a better idea what they're doing. And I'm, like you guys said, I'm not going to overreact to one loss in October for sure. Yeah. I mean, first off. They're already off to a much better start than they were last year. They're off to a much better start at home than they were last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they've already got two home wins. Last year, do you know, how, Zach, do you know how many home wins they had last year? Twelve. You are high. They had nine. Yeah. They had That's not good. Nine out of 40, because I don't count the game at City Field. Not they good. lost that one, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. They had nine wins at KeyBank Center last year. They already have two. Over a train wreck, and we don't like we don't like to do this because we love Buffalo fans as much as anyone, but we call it KeyBank Library. Place gets quiet pretty quick. Place gets quiet really quick. Yep. But you saw through this four-game homestand, that Boston game aside, because it was the first game and everyone's overreacting because it was oh, the yeah. first game. I love overreacting. <laughs> there was actually a lot of a lot of noise being generated throughout. So, Valid. I was there on the Columbus Day game, Indigenous Day, whichever one you prefer. <laughs> This was the realization I had that day. When you actually score more than one goal in a period, let me clear your, my throat is an amazing goal song. It's a bump. It's song. actually like, mm-hmm. yeah, it actually becomes kind of like a psychological thing when you're hearing it like two or three times in a period versus maybe once a night. Yeah, once a night almost even. So, yeah, no, the, the offense looks like it can actually do some things. And now you're looking at a game where first line's looking good. Fourth line's looking pretty good. Second and third, not so much. Phil Housley seeing the same thing. So, today, we saw a little bit of a shuffle in the practices, in the lineups. Oh, boy, did we. And we see Jeff Skinner with Casey Middlestat. (laughs) Probably the greatest way to get both of them out of a slump. There's one combined point between the two of them. Mm -hmm. A Middlestat assist on a power play. So, this looks like it could be something pretty interesting when they go out west, historically, even in the five season, even these past five seasons, when they've finished last, three out of the five, they still do well going out west. It's one of those things. It's it's the reverse of home cooking, I guess. Maybe like In and Out Burger when they're on the West Coast. You know, something maybe not Just available out with in the Western boys New York. All, yeah. all week. Beach so. boys playing some tunes, running in the sand, holding hands. I mean, I guess it just you know it works on gelling the squad. Gimmicks at the hotel, pranking each other. So what? So you're saying the mail stat? Yeah. I mean, points wise, struggling a little bit. I always look at you know. Like a train wreck, we we try to look at the metrics as much as possible. Yeah. You know, gambling lines, you know, projections, fantasy projections more than anything. I was looking at one of those for you know NHL fantasy, 
Middlestat was projected like just below Eichel almost value wise. Mm-hmm. Like that, like I'm not far off from that. That was what was actually happening, right? Yeah. Because that was kind of leading me to believe, like, wow, we could really have like a superstar in Middlestat. Obviously, again, we're five percent into the season here, so I'm not saying that's not what we have, but not seeing that yet. And yeah, hopefully, combining him with Skinner is the thing to get these guys going. We have to remember too that this is. Middleside is a rookie. Oh yeah, and he. This is his first year going through the actual NHL grind. He's got a. There's still going to be an adjustment with him. That's why. And but putting him with a guy like Jeff Skinner is definitely something that's not only going to elevate Casey Middlestad. It's going to be Jeff Skinner having that kind of a center elevating him as well. And then ha- and then obviously Skinner being a veteran himself. He's been in the league for a long time. And then also having a guy who. I thought has been pr- playing pretty well so far to start the year in Kyle Oposo on the right wing, helping him out as well. And it's that that's something that you hope to see going forward is that is is all the, is everyone gelling and it, that's something that that's something that's kind of been plaguing them. In the the right now their two losses things just aren't they're, they're not gelling. That's that's what's going on and. I don't know if it's because they haven't been together long enough, but it does take time. Thing, things like that always take time. So that and then that's that's just another reason why I, especially after last week's you know opening loss to Boston, I was saying pretty much taking it right from Aaron Rodgers himself, R E L A X. Yeah, it's just one of those things where. You know, people overreacted because it was the first game. Yeah. That's how it, that was. Well, the first game and obviously the last 12 years plays into it. Or, you know, for yeah. if you're looking yeah. at the quote-unquote drought six I years. Also, I was also saying, too, if that exact game, the way it played out last Thursday against Boston, if that exact game happens in January or February, no one bats an eye. Nope. People just look at it as, well, they lost to a really good team. Because it wasn't like they got scored on five minutes in. They played pretty well for the first 15 minutes or so. And yeah. then basically Chara came in on a weak side. No one accounted for him, and he scored. Yeah. And then yeah. it was kind of like a little, oh, here we go again. And you, it kind of felt that way in the game and then the attitudes and everything like that. And, yeah, it was nice to see them bounce back. But I think, again, like we said earlier, whether it's the power play, you're seeing tape-to-tape passes, you're seeing them not turn it over in their zone as much. Better goalie play, obviously, already. Um, but – to be honest, yeah, I think we're making the strides in the right direction. And like you said, uh, you know, Frank, it's just a matter of time to let these guys gel. Yeah, it's a young team. They're going to be up and down. It's going to be fun. Hey, they're already more fun than they were last year. Way, Way more, more fun. fun. Check that off the box is my low expectation Bam. from coming into the season. Yep. All I wanted was to watch them be able to be exciting and make me go, ooh. And they've already done plenty of that. Mm-hmm. I think that this team is going to be fun to watch this season and – Playoffs or not, at least at least I'm going into every game giving a damn and cheering for them. Because last year was, oh boy, we're bad. Oh boy, we're really. Why are we already out of the playoffs in November? Oh, Rasmus Dahlin looks interesting. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. Who cares? <laughs> Literally, yeah. What they start last year, zero and six, something like that. I mean, you were out of it. They didn't in get October, their November. second win until ten games into the season. Yeesh. Mm-hmm. Not good. Not great, Bob. Well, with that said. I think the roster's in place for this team to be successful the next oh, yeah. two to three years. Do you guys believe in Housley? I'm still waiting. We're still figuring that Jerry's out. Jerry's still out? Yeah. I think I got to see my – biggest, my biggest concern would be, and Frank and I have talked about this several times now on this podcast, has been if Housley gets this team off to another poor start like last year, then I'm going to have my conversation. Otherwise, you're not even into year two. So yeah. I think it's a little too quick to go trigger happy on that. I'm I'm on the record of going, I want to see where they are around 20 to 25 games in before I make a decision on Housley. If they're around, if they're 25 games in and they have 10 wins, I'm on the, I'm on the boat where he's got to go. Or if they're like on the 20 games and they have like less than 10 wins, something like that. If they're hovering around five, like, 500 like let's say they're t- they're 20 games in and they and they're like 10 8 and 2 I'm I'm fine right I'm fine right now yeah but then if it starts to trend down then I'm then you're starting to tread tread that waters I think so I've got they got one it. other concern with Housley and it's really just this hmm. 
for the love of God, stop putting in Larson and get Tennyson off this roster. I was going to say, how big, hasn't played. how big of a hit did his rating take yesterday when he put that line together with Larson? Everybody hated that. I've never seen such a unified front to a Sabres or Bills roster move. I mean, geez. I tried giving I that a chance actually yesterday. I, you did. I wanted to. I wanted to give it a chance to. I want to give Larson an, an opportunity. You want to believe I that Housley's seen something in practice? Or but something. He but man, to. he looked rough. Yeah. yeah. And that line suffered as a result. Larson just, I think he's just not good defensively. And he really the isn't. Strange, the strangest and thing is, is that before that major elbow injury a couple of years back. Larson was looking like a Sammy Paulson type. Yeah, where he was able to be that third line center on your top, on your opponent's top, against your opponent's top line. Yeah, every night being able to check him down, and it was also his best point production before he got hurt. You know, best points per that, game production. Yeah, that elbow injury, and then he has not even him. been close to the same ever since. And now it even just seems like mentally, defensively, he's not mm-hmm. making the right decisions now either. Yeah. So if you're not good defensively and you're definitely meh at best offensively. What are you doing here anymore? At least Gergensen's can flub on every quality chance because he's there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out on Larson. I'm with you guys. I'm not seeing anything out of him. You've had your time. I'm seeing things out of all kinds of other guys. I get guys called up from Rochester even last year that I've seen more out of. I'm out on Larson. I trust Ellie, uh, Ellie already more than I do Larson. Ellie's got some speed to him. He at least can, yeah, he can skate. He can. Fr- he's doing a much better job frustrating opponents. Yeah. All right. We forgot, actually, about something when we were talking about the Bills. And it's something I saw from you Ooh. throughout the week Uh-oh. Uh, about Derek Anderson. Oh, no. Which See, then, I thought we were going to avoid this one. Which then <laughs> gasoline got put on the fire thanks to a guest on our station by the name of John Clayton. Oh, man. And it just makes me think. And I'm with you when you said it. If Derek Anderson has to play and it's not because of injury – I might be out on McD. It's a, I, it's I just, think so. I, the thing I say to people is you could say trust the process. You can look at – and I believe culture does get results. I'm not anti-culture. Yeah, I, I, know, can, I, I know there's it, some yeah. anti-culture people in this building, so I don't want anyone charging in the door. With that said, you can't, like, you can't have a Benjamin. You can't have a David, Avante Davis. You can't have an Anquan Bolden and tell me that you've got the perfect locker room. And you can't tell me that Nate Peterman was your guy in week one. And I know we're rehashing all the same stuff, but it's exactly where I'm at. You can't tell me Nate Peterman was the guy week one and you were comfortable getting rid of McCarron, and now you don't even feel comfortable having Nate Peterman as your backup, and you still don't even feel comfortable having Josh Allen as your starter. It just shows a complete ineptitude. There is absolutely no validating it. And for that reason, Derek, just like you said, if Derek Anderson comes in and starts for this team this season, and it is not because specifically of an injury to Josh Allen, I will go on the record. I am out on the Bills under McDermott. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because I like what the guy has brought when it comes to being able to get more out of less of a roster. They are the ultimate, you know, Sales special, you know, getting discount special there. You, know, you got Poyer on a great deal. You got Hyde on a great yes, deal. Yes, they did. You got all that. Um, and, I mean, yeah, and I love Bean being aggressive. I didn't hate him getting rid of Watkins. I didn't hate him getting rid of Darius. I thought that those were sensible moves for the long term of the organization. But when you're telling me that you're bringing in a guy and they were all happy about Josh and his potential development in May and June – now that you didn't put in a position to be long-term successful, that's on you. That's not on Josh Allen. That's not on Nate Peterman. That's not on any of the offensive line. That's on you for not equipping the team correctly for this season. Yeah, and really that also comes into how much faith you put in Nathan Peterman to be the guy to hold serve throughout the season. If like, if you wanted Josh Allen to sit, that's fine. But you also wanted him to get the reps as the backup, that's fine. But your biggest problem then is, well, you put your – eggs in a Nathan Peterman basket that blew up in your face spectacularly for the second time, by the way. I'm looking at this in two ways. I'm scared that it might actually happen that Anderson gets into play because of what McDermott has done with a track record with his quarterbacks within less than two years. He has put Peterman in in a playoff chase with Tyrod struggling. He has started Nathan Peterman after he burned him the first time. And he traded away A.J. McCarron as that insurance policy. 
You could have still had McCarron as your QB three. Could have absolutely kept McCarron. Will we get a fifth? Yeah. Like, like, like well, what good is a fifth doing you right now? Yeah. Nothing. I understand you want to stockpile based on that. The fifth is doing you nothing. Meanwhile, you got a QB who you're not coming out and saying this guy's our starter for the foreseeable future. You know, you have a report from Clayton. Again, like, everyone's going nuts because of that. And people I, are trying to tell me, oh, don't worry. It's just a national reporter who doesn't know what he's talking about. It's a pretty heralded national reporter. It's not like it's just some, you know, trainwrecksports.com guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think the problem is they traded the wrong quarterback. They yeah, should they have tried. sold Peterman hot. They, oh, they, you could have easily have. sold Peterman hot I look at what that the, preseason uh, okay. for sure. <laughs> I look at what the Jets did. Jets, Jets, and, Bill, Jets and Bills did the same thing. Just Teddy did complete so opposite. Just went complete opposite in terms of trading the quarterback. I wanted Teddy so bad. If you had Josh, to have had Teddy. but look at but look at what look at what the Jets did. Signed Teddy Bridgewater as as an insurance policy, but they also kept Josh McCown, and then they drafted Sam Darnold. When Sam Darnold won the job, they traded Teddy. They didn't trade McCown. They traded Teddy Bridgewater. And now they have an experienced 30 – yes, he's 30 – what is he, 37, 38 years old? Yep. But he's been around in this league, and he's their backup to their rookie Sam Darnold. And he will be ready to come in if should something bad happen to Darnold. My chair agrees, apparently. And looking back at it, I absolutely hate the Jets. Fireman Ed can go back into retirement for as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I love wrestling, but once you go to retirement, you stay in retirement. That's how, that's how life works, okay? <laughs> Yeah. With that said, the Jets had an obvious plan with Darnold. Yep. They were going to give him the job. They just wanted to make a facade of him not being the starter. Teddy Bridgewater never got the opportunity to start for the Jets. And he McC- outplayed him. They knew ex- yeah, yeah, they knew exactly what they had in McCown. Yeah. So they knew that these were two veterans who, while Darnold was growing into his first year, would be able to help him and be yep. able to like support him. Whereas you have McCarron and Peterman, like, yeah, maybe they were teaching him about reps or something, but I'm pretty sure they were all competing for the starting job in August 1st. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bills easily could have just done the same thing. They could have signed Derek Anderson instead of McCarron and yeah. said, you're going to teach our quarterback. You're going to teach Allen. Here's my problem with having a guy in here strictly as a mentor, and it's this. I mean, yes, right now he's not going to be anything more than QB3 because he just got here. My- but if he does not end up at QB2 at some point in the season, what the hell's the roster spot for? Just hire him as a coach. Well, that, that's that why. Point. That's Seriously. why. Well, that's why I say the Bills traded the wrong quarterback. They easily could have signed Derek Anderson and said, "You're our backup, and you're going to teach our quarterback, our our rookie. You, but you, but make sure you're ready to play should something bad happen." On yeah. top that's of that, where that's where he he is QB two, and that's where and the he complete- will play if Allen if something bad happens. But when you're not playing, which is likely most of the time. Help our court, help our rookie, and that is where the nice, I think. And then and the Jets did the same, did a nice solid. They did a favor to McCown too by doing that because you know how much they're paying him this year, ten million dollars. Oh yeah, good for him. I, this is where I'm, like like I said, I'm with you, maniac, that I'd be out on McD if this gets bungled so badly because you're making these bad decisions at what is now the most important position mm-hmm. in the game. So that's where I'm terrified. I don't want to be in this position with him. I don't want to be in this position with this regime because they have something that will hold dearly to every single Bills fan, point blank, period, yeah. to quote Leo's McKelvin. They broke the drought. Yeah, They were yep. the staff that did it. So please give me a reason to love you. Can you believe how quickly they're squandering this approval rating? Yeah. yeah. They were at a hundred. They were at a yeah. hundred from January to June. They had a whole pass from Even me for with Allen. Even with Allen, there was like a week, but everyone was like, Allen's our guy now. We're going with Allen and like, you know, we'll do whatever we gotta do, right? It, me. It, it literally me. Yeah. I was, it was Frank that. has Him. video of me not reacting yeah. well to the pick. I will, I will show you some. Oh, two you weeks CRs. We got two all weeks kinds of later, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks later? I'm in, well, what's complaining going to do? He's the quarterback. Oh, I want the guy to succeed. We yeah. were all Buffalo about it, just yeah. embracing the hell yeah, out yeah. of him. And there's still people that will stick to it. The w- and for them, that's their opinion, and they have their right to it. But my thing is going to be, I want this group to succeed. I can be critical of them, but still hope for the best. Please give me a reason to love you. This team is ruining my life. And on top of everything, it drives me <laughs> nuts. 
<laughs> drives me nuts that this NFL veteran we brought in to help Josh Allen is Derek Anderson. It's like if you had asked me, like oh, a pretend a NFL veteran. Victory. Yeah, a two complete victory. He he beat the Bills eight nothing. He beat the Bills six three. People forget about the eight nothing game. Yeah, they forget about the eight nothing game. Cleveland. How about the last time that he was in the game for Carolina? I'm pretty sure Cam Newton didn't wear a tie on the tie bus uh, on the bus or something. So so Derek Anderson started through a pick six on the first play of the game. And then yeah. they're like, "Uh, we made a mistake." Yeah, Cam, get back I mean, I'm just saying, like, to call Derek Anderson a veteran in football is like to call me a veteran and being like a crafty consumer because I'm not. Uh, like, but I I've mean, been buying stuff for a while. Like, you, you don't know? stick around 12 years in the league without at least knowing a thing or two, I, even, I even from so. your mistakes. I mean, we have a McCown mentoring Sam Darnold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily what I would call the greatest thing to be learning from, but the guy knows things. So mm-hmm. he may not be good on the field. It just maybe he's a better student in the locker room and in the film room that you know he could teach these guys how to look at the film, what you're looking for, everything like that. And then, obviously, when the bullets fly, maybe it's not the greatest of quarterbacks, but it's not Nate Peterman either. Jake, are you going to write a book? I mean, this team I, is ruining my life. I, they, they, <laughs> might, they might make me. I, no, I'm not sure. But what do we have for our respite? Well, we can turn to the very first 31st place team in the NHL, uh, or we could turn horns up. Oh, they're up. Maniac, thanks for joining us here today, man. Derek, Frank, I hope you guys won't be filing any legal action for what I've done here today and hope we can do it again. Oh, we'll be doing this again. We'll be doing it again. And I, I think what you got to do is, uh, what we got to do is, you know, maybe we try to find a way to do one of these podcasts uh, out at Alumni Arena or something. Alumni I, Arena? Or I'm thinking you guys come to Studio D sometime soon. Ooh, Throw down. I'm game. Game. There we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Trainwreck Sports, Maniac. Let them know where they find where they find hey, the trainwrecksports.com, trainwrecksports on Instagram, trainwrecksports with no O on Twitter. Unfortunately, we train lost experts. Trainwrecksports. Hey, the O is it's the thought that counts, just yes. like Christmas. Okay, folks, it's one thing you got to know: this train never stops. Never stops. And thank you for joining us as always. It's been fun. We'll do this again. And Frank, it's it's an interesting interesting time. Everything is. is full go now. Yep. We've got UB football. The basketball season is starting soon for the college teams. You've got hockey going, getting gone. You've got the Bills frustrating you to no end. When they win when you don't expect them to, they lose when you think that they have a damn chance. Here it is. Guys, it's the richest time in sports in Buffalo. Let's just go out there and enjoy it. Tear our hair out. Come back and ter- cheer them on anyway. Thank you, as always, for listening to Leftovers Podcast on WGR550.com, on-demand audio, and through the radio.com app. I'm Derek Kramer. I'm Frank R. Curry. And today, this podcast, it did not stop. Except for now, it stops. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.